name is Paul Smith from today's episode of Talk About Charlotte's Home Cookie and Big Ben Today we have another very special guest with us today. He's brand and business manager for athletes and celebrities. Also the founder and uh, the founder of Choir Assist. He's the go-to guy for the go-to guy, Mr. Chris Brown. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, most definitely. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down. So for people, the backstory is we both went to upstate. I don't think we crossed paths while we were there. Yeah. Well, you know, Steve is one of my best friends from college, like my right-hand man, and, you know, he told me you were coming to town, and he was the one who made this assist for us, so connecting the dots. So shout-out to my brother Steve, man, and I appreciate you taking the time. So I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, hearing your story, um, which is quite fascinating because I know some of the things we have kind of, like, similar, you know, as far as, like, some of the work that we do. Right. So just getting started, though, just tell people, like, how would you describe yourself to people? Uh... I'm humble, I'm quiet. Um, if I'm if I know you, I'm comfortable, you get to see the real side of me. But for the most part, man, I'm really just uh just chill out the way. Um a, a people person again, if you know me, but for the most part I'm just, you know, one of those people that kinda sit back and observe and you know, whatever space I'm in, I kinda read the room first before I, you know, kinda open myself up. Right, right. So you born you born and raised here? Nah, I'm actually from a small town in Low Country called Walterboro. Walterboro, uh, yeah, I heard so that. So it's like it's like Charleston, Somerville, Orangeburg, around that around that way. Yeah, my uh my daughter's people, uh, my daughter's mom, their people were down close to that area, like uh, Fairfax, okay, area, Fairfax, Hampton. So it's yeah, kind of yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah so exactly. I, I spent a good bit of time down there, way you know, going to visit uh visit this side of the family so okay so i know exactly what you're talking about um, yeah, it's, so. a, it's a good time for us right now we uh the spotlight is on us we got the alex murdoch trial yeah that's that's, that's actually in Walterboro. yeah man. crazy so, so it's a lot going on there yeah because he uh when i was seeing that man it was like i was at a barbershop the other day and i was just seeing it on there so i was asking them like my, my daughter's side family like y'all good because this down in that area, that's what's yeah. going on. Say, so, yeah, we are. It just you know, there's stuff going on. It's like right. national attention. Yes, national news. Yeah, making the spot hot right now. Yeah, we known for that now in the uh, radio. So the movie radio with Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, yeah, that was actually shot like down the street from my house, like where we, I used to run, like literally run up and down the street. That right. movie was shot. Something yeah. similar to that, you know, talking about national attention. Uh, my area down in Jonesville, like right there in Union. Uh, this was back in the early 90s. So, like, when we out traveling, I tell people, like, uh, they ask where we're from. I'm like, man, I'm from Jonesville, South Carolina. They said, where is that? I said, you ever heard of Union? So, if I tell people I say Union, they say, that's where Susan Smith happened at? So, that was back in the early 90s where, you know, she uh, drove a car and, like, you know, drowned the kids. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. This was, like, I think. This I heard like, about it. I yeah. mean, I was a kid, but. I think this might have been like 92, early 90, yeah, 92, 93, somewhere around that. Yeah, yeah, so that's where that's from. So it brought like wow. a lot of national attention down our way. Yeah. yeah, so every time I go somewhere and we talking about where we're from, the first thing, when I say Union, they say, that's Susan Smith. I'm like, yeah, right. that's, Dang. you know, it's kind of what yeah. happened there. So how, how was your childhood, how would you describe your childhood growing up, being from Walterboro? Uh, I mean, my childhood was cool. I'm, um, Walterboro now um, is... Uh, the crime rate is actually like four times the national, you know what I'm saying, average crime rate or whatever. So, you know, I saw different things growing up, but I was really protected as a child. So my mom had me when she was 18, her first semester of college. 
and then uh, she met, she went back, moved back with my uh, with my grandparents. So for the most part, my grandparents raised me. My my grandfather was a was a pastor uh, and a farmer, and my grandma was a was a housewife. Um, so I was I was raised like a like as a, as an only child um, mm. because all my mom's you know brothers and sisters they were all out the house. So it was just me. Um, so so my my childhood was cool. I was. You know, we didn't we didn't have a lot, but a lot of people just kind of like came together and you know raised me and took care of me or whatever. So, and then you know as I got older, my house was like the house where like everybody came to like play ball. So right. back when like kids was coming outside, like when we, when I would get home from school, everybody knew because like so at my house basically we had some land on the side and I had like a full court basically. Mm -hmm. I mean we didn't have no cement, it was just dirt, but I had two I had two rims or whatever. So everybody used to come to my house go to play spot. ball. Yeah. So it used to be like 10, 15 bicycles in my house. We used to be outside hooping, playing football. So it was cool. And I was gonna ask you that. Did you did you play any sports growing up to obviously you play you played basketball? Did yeah. you do anything extracurricular at school or anything? Uh, or just at home? Like, yeah, anything? nah. I, I mean I was in like gifted and talented programs coming up or whatever. Um I played baseball until I was in like seventh eighth grade and then i broke my thumb and then that was the end of that i was just like man i don't think nothing's gonna happen with this with this baseball stuff i played football the same once i got in high school everybody else started getting bigger and i was like no nah, i don't think this for me so i ran across i ended up running cross country to get in shape for basketball and then uh, i played basketball so that, that was pretty much it so what did you see growing up like as far as like Family-wise, did you? See, I know you say your grandparents raised you. Were they just uh, traditional nine-to-five workers, or did they? Did you? Were you around any entrepreneurs growing up? Uh, I mean, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. I mean, he was he was a farmer. So, mm -hmm. you know, I I seen him literally, you know, grow a crop or whatever, and we had to go and go in the fields and and pick the crop, and then we went to the market. So, I used to be in the truck with him, but I ain't know what entrepreneur. I ain't know what entrepreneur. You know, entrepreneurialism or whatever. Oh, hold on, let me cut that. Let me cut that. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really understand the entrepreneur space. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I just, I just saw it as like, yo, this is, this is just the way of living. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I saw my grandma wake up, clean the house, um, and just kind of support, support the family in that way. Make sure my, you know, my grandfather had meals and stuff when he got home, and and then uh, my stepdad's been in my life since I was two. So. I've always had like a strong father figure. My dad was around too, but for the most part, like my stepfather was very present in my life. And you know, he was a nine to five worker, but he was very present in my life. He was my basketball coach. He was pretty much every sport I played, he was the reason why I played. So he coached me in every single thing. Um, he's really the reason why I have such a competitive drive. So uh, yeah, he was just, he was always just real competitive with me, always uh, not making things easy. We played one-on-one -on -one in the backyard, man. So many times I threw the ball, cried, man. Like he was just, he was just sitting me in the house. Like, nah, I'm not letting you beat me until you beat me. So, right, this is one of those things. Yeah, my 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 background is pretty similar to you know, not knowing about entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurship. My my uncle lived right across the street from me. He was an entrepreneur. Well, he had a business. Right. He, I mean, he he worked at uh, he worked at, I think at the time he was working at Michelin, but on the side. He uh, had his lawn care business, yep. but I never knew the word entrepreneur. I just thought I would just tell people my uncle just cut grass. Right. But he, um, it was times like on weekends when we got out of school. As we got older, 
Uh, he would like to like, take us to different places that he had contracts at. And right. He'll let us grab a weed eater, you know, yep. cut cut on the side and everything like that. But and then he cut he watched his own cars, or whatever. So he would let us come watch his cars for right. like just to make a little you know extra change. But in yeah. my household, I just saw my my parents. They uh, my mom, and my dad. They would just uh, went to work. They just had traditional nine to five. Right. So the only time I saw that side of entrepreneurship was from my uncle. I just didn't know what that word yeah, was at exactly. the time. So um, I want to ask you though, as far as like your family, what what kind of goals do you think they were expecting you to be like as you grew up and you know kind of start uh, by your own way? I mean, I come from a family of like educators. So so my mm -hmm. biological dad is a is a principal. He has a PhD. My aunt is a uh, she was a she was a fourth grade teacher. Um, so I was always around like education. My mom worked in the school system, so education was a priority. Like I didn't get to do any extracurricular activities if my grades wasn't right. Like right. that was very prevalent in my household. So for the most part, it was just, hey, we just want you to make good grades and, and go to college. That's that's as far as that's as far as they saw it because you know when you come from. Uh, situations and environments where you don't see like highly successful people you don't see celebrities or you don't see you know high-level entrepreneurs or businessmen in, in, a, in a town where I'm from so right. for them it was just like hey you know we just want to uh, we just want to see you be happy and get a good job right right so you know graduating and, and you know graduating high school and get ready to make that transition to college like what schools were you looking at and I know it's like you like obviously you, you saying you went to upstate but like right. that's about what three hour drive yeah. so yeah yeah so so what school was there any other schools you were looking at and what made you decide to you know go to upstate man i'm gonna be honest with you uh when i was in high school there was uh south carolina state claflin um i think allen benedict so all those schools in like columbia and south carolina i mean in columbia and orangeburg mm -hmm. We was uh we was going there like kind of sneaking you know on the weekends and stuff yeah. like that so we was sneaking so you know our our peers who were already who went to high school with us and then they end up like going to college um when they went to those schools we would just go and see them on the weekends and right. so we was already me and my friends we was already on campus at 16 17 at South Carolina State or been in there getting the experience or yeah. whatever so but for me they were like yeah this is where I want to go this is what I wanted to do but for me I knew that I wanted to be uh in business at some point so I I needed I knew I needed diversity and I knew that I needed to get away from home I didn't need to be close enough to where I could go home whenever I felt like it mm -hmm. so Honestly, we was having a career. I had no idea. We were having a career there at a high school. There was a lady, Miss um, Starr. I'll never forget her, Miss Starr. I can't remember her last name, but she came and I saw the brochure and the brochure just, it, it just had people of like all different races and cultures. And I was like, man, this looks like somewhere I want to be. And uh, yeah. that was the only, that was the only school I applied for. Yeah. I think I applied, just think, looking back on, I applied for Winthrop. Um, I got into one USC Columbia. I didn't get in there. Yeah. In uh, Coastal, yeah. I got in there. But mainly, you know, I played uh, high school basketball. I was like, but I was like, if I if I wasn't playing, you know, sports in college, then I didn't want to just travel too far away. Right. Uh, I still wanted to get away from home. Right. So um, with uh, Jonesville, it's about thirty minutes. It's like a thirty minute drive. But so so I ended up choosing upstate. Plus, I got to be, you know, still close to my boys and everything. So they would, they would come up and visit us on weekend, visit right. on weekends. And uh, that was primarily like one of the key reasons that I did it, you know, choosing those things. But 
I made sure that I stayed on campus, right. which ran my student loan bill up. Right. But I, I just wanted to have that experience as far as like, you know, living on my own and, you know, right. being my own person. And then it, it was different because, you know, my people, they didn't, they didn't really, they didn't watch me when I got to college. It was pretty much I'm on my own, you know. Yeah, no, nah, that's how it was for me. And, um, but I knew I wanted to get away from my friends because I kind of, I kind of saw early, like, the kind of things that my friends were, were getting into or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I still don't do that to this day or whatever. So I kind of saw the direction of the people around me. And I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to kind of get away. I need to get out of my comfort zone. And I need to, like, become a man or whatever. So I knew early on, like, you know, I just got to figure this out by myself. So When you, when you finally got up here... Uh... <laughs> Did you really go back home quite often, or is it pretty much like now? I know you don't live here now. It's like, did you just pretty much stay away from home, or? Yeah. So, so my parents, my parents, my first semester, they didn't even let me bring my car, so that I could again figure it out. But also, it's crazy because I almost wasn't able to start school uh, the first semester because if they took too many people the year I was coming in. So, in, in I want to say July, I get a letter like, hey you accepted and you know we got everything together for you but like we don't have nowhere for you to stay so it's crazy so in the middle of july where all my friends like yeah we about to go to school we about to whatever i'm still in limbo like mom i don't even know like they don't got nowhere for me to stay so they sent a letter and it was like well we're gonna they're gonna put us in a hotel i'm like a hotel like this ain't what college supposed to be this ain't what it looked like on the brochure right. you know <laughs> and then maybe like the last week of july like literally a couple weeks before i'm about to go to school they told us like oh we found somewhere for you to stay so i didn't stay in the freshman dorm my first semester i stayed in the commons which were like for the upperclassmen or whatever mm. so that was kind of my introduction where like everybody all the freshmen were kind of together and i was just kind of like doing my thing you know off, not it's not off campus, but it's not you're not in a dorm like situation. Mm -hmm. So overall, like, how would you say like was your your college experience? Um, overall, did you did you get the necessary? Did you get the tools that you felt like was necessary for you in life, or like how would you look at that? I mean, for me, again, I can only speak for me and what wow. I went to school for and what I seen. You know. Um, you got to make you really it's up to you to make college whatever whatever that experience is for you it's it's really up to you um for me I mean I was smart but I also realized after my first year because when I got to college like the older dudes kind of took a liking to me so I was hanging with juniors and seniors my freshman year or whatever mm -hmm. so that was really my experience but I saw when they graduated they were taking jobs that didn't require like degrees. I'm like, well, what am I going to school for making good grades if uh, my peers who are doing really well academically, they're taking jobs that don't require a, a mm -hmm. degree. So for me, it was just like, well, what else is there? And then one of my professors kind of pulled me to the side and was like, yo, you need to start thinking about internships. So that's what really kind of changed my trajectory is like, oh, internships is a way to kind of get in the building of, you know, uh, high level success. Right. That's the thing that I underestimate. Two things, well, two it's two things really that, that really stand out to me. It's like the power of relationships. You know, I was pretty much close knit to my circle of friends, but you know, building those relationships in college will, will greatly benefit you long term. And then the power of an internship. Like I, I didn't get an internship until my senior year um, at Upstate. That was when I finally started, you know, doing the broadcasting, right. you know, traveling, covering high school. The, sports um hornets and everything that i did 
I didn't get that internship until my senior year. And I'm like, dang, man, I wish, because my mindset really wasn't there at the time. Right. Like, I really was just, you know, trying to get out the house and, you know, have a good time. And right. And then as those years passed by, it's like, all right, now I'm in my last year, like, now it's about to get real. So right. what am I going to do next? Right. So I didn't really get my internship um, until my, it was my, yeah, December, December 2014. It was, because uh, I was, <clears throat> You were August of 2014, but yeah, I graduated December 2014. Okay. But that was when I finally got my internship, and then after that, I was like, dang, man, I wish I would have did this early yeah. on so I could really build even more experience and continue to build those relationships. Yeah. See, I had my first internship when I was 19, like my sophomore year. Because, again, because I hung around older dudes and I always hung around older, older people in general, it was like... I kind of just saw, like, this ain't what I want to do. Like, and I saw people like, oh, I'm going to school, try to get a business degree. But then I seen people with business degrees, like, not doing what I wanted to do. So I'm yeah. like, well, I got to go a different direction because what I'm seeing, that ain't for me. And I know I can't, I can't do a nine to five, you know what I'm saying, for 40 years. Like, I, I knew that early So you on. knew that early on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I used, my mama used to tell me, like, my mama used to tell me, like, Chris, make sure, like, it's like make sure you stay on top of your books and make sure you stay on top of your academics because if you got to do anything with your hands or it requires hard work, like you're not going to be good at it. So yeah. I knew that early. And I knew like I ain't like to get dirty. I don't like to get my hands dirty. I don't like to fix cars. Any, if it requires hard labor work, I don't want to do it. So yeah. I, I knew that early on. You see, my, my people told me, they were just like, you know, make sure y'all go to school and get a good education yeah. so you don't have to work like us. They didn't necessarily, right. <laughs> necessarily say don't go get a job. They were just saying, you know, Get that degree, so maybe you don't have to work on the floor. Maybe get like an office job or right. human resources, something right. like that. But then, as I, you know, got into the field, I just knew then I was like, man, I don't really want to live like this anyway. Right. Like not like the rest of my life, you know. Right. Like you're saying, giving a job 30, 40 plus years of your life, and then you finally hang it up, and they just tell you thank you. Yeah. And then you looking back like, what is it? What, what did I do with my life? Exactly. What 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 was the impact that I had? The crazy thing is, man, I saw this story when I was, uh, I remember I was just in college, I was, I was in my dorm room, I was in my apartment or wherever, and I seen this story, and it was like, uh, man works uh, 45 years, he retires, and he died the day after he retired. Mm. And when I seen that story, I was like, yo, it, it just like slapped me in the face like, this is my, this is what my life could be if I keep going this way. So when I saw that, like, I might not even, what if I don't make it to retirement? Dude was like 65, 67, you know, the, the average black man don't make it to that age. So I was like, yo, what if I don't even make it to that? Like, what impact am I going to have, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, Work, working a job for somebody and then, God forbid, I pass away and I don't even get to enjoy everything that I work for. So, you know, and it's just, it's just like early little things that I paid attention to that kind of, Change my trajectory, and that's that's like most most I would say most people because they don't really know what they enjoy doing outside of work. Like For they sure, don't have those hobbies, man. So For sure, like, you gotta find your purpose. Even like on the grand scale, like if you look at professional athletes, a lot of those guys when they hang it up, they still young, but they whether they get in get a job at ESPN or Fox or right. some kind of broadcast, and they find something else outside of like their sport yeah. to. To feel that void of you know doing something that they did right you know, particular their whole right. life, but just like those studies, like you like you saying, like a lot of people like after they retire after all those years, they don't live much longer after right that right. They don't have because their livelihood was based on 
me getting up every day, going to work, interacting with certain people. Like you actually have something to look, you know, you actually have something to look forward to, but then when not when you wake up and you don't have nothing to look forward to, it's like, well, it. where, 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 where do I serve my purpose? Because I haven't figured out nothing else but serving whatever company I'm working for. Right. So, so for you with your internships, what kind of internships did you do? And at that time, did you know like exactly what you wanted to do when you were doing your internships? Nah. So when I was coming up, like, I mean, I, I guess I'm aging myself, but. Uh, I grew up in like the Rap City, Rap City, the basement, yeah, 106, and, 106 and part time. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do broadcasting or this was when like Stephen A. Smith was like just ascending. So I seen the Stephen A. Smith, like Allen Iverson interview and I was like, yo, that's what I want to do. Um, so it was between like broadcasting and being Stephen A. Smith or, or Stuart Scott, like Stuart Scott was my guy. Yeah. Like I love Stuart Scott. Mm -hmm. Like he was like the cool journalist like I, every morning before school like this that's the first that's the voice that i heard before i went to school you know what i'm saying so like he really like shaped my childhood but yeah i wanted to do that or i wanted to be like the host of 106 in park so that kind of like led me to uh to my internship at bet oh where, where? how long did you what, is this something you did your entire college uh, uh like working with BNT or was it different? Internship? Nah, so my first internship was with the with the Charlotte Hornets or whatever. Um, so I interned with the Charlotte Hornets in the media department, and uh, when I got the internship, I was kind of like, "Damn, man, I can't even believe I can't even believe that I got this." So what happened was it was one day they was doing like pre drafts. Um, it was doing pre draft. My guy at the Hornets, he called me. He was like, "Hey, Chris, you know, can you come off a of pre draft?" At this time, DJ Augustine was coming out. I think he, he was at Texas. I think he, he played with like KD and all them mm -hmm. or whatever. So he was coming out. So he was a top guard coming out. So he was supposed to work out. So MJ was there because he wanted to see him work out. So I get there. My guy's like, hey, I think MJ's going to be in the gym. You know, pull me to the side like, hey, don't do nothing crazy. Don't embarrass me type, type thing or whatever. So I was like, no, I'm cool. I'm chill, you know. Now, mind you, in my head, I'm like, bro, this is the reason why I picked up a basketball. This is the reason why I wear Jordans. Like, I, this is my guy. So we, uh, so DJ Augustine ended up not, he didn't want to go to Charlotte, so he didn't go and work out. But when we got in the gym, Larry Brown was the coach at the time, and Michael Jordan was on the other end of the gym. And when I got in the gym and I seen Mike, I was like, yo, this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I got out of there. I called my roommate at the time. I'm like, bro, you won't believe I just was in the gym with Mike. He was like, Michael. I'm like, bro, Michael Jordan. He was like, did you talk to him? I'm like, no, I did talk to him because he wasn't talking to the media. But I was like, I'm literally on the other side of half court and I see Mike like working out. And I was like, yeah, this is what I got to do. But uh, that didn't really last long because I didn't realize that journalism was so much writing and I hated writing. So mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this because I don't like all this writing. So right. Yeah, my, my story is kinda like that too, is like when I told you about my internship, you know, I was I was first I was just doing the uh we was doing Broom High School football and then I remember one day we were headed to to cover the Broom and Newberry game down in Newberry and Coach Cox was like he was like uh he said, I'm going to ACC Media Day and then after that, I'm covering the Charlotte Hornets um, season opener. This is when they went, the first year they went back from being the Bobcats to the Hornets. Okay, okay. So, and they played Milwaukee the same night, the first night. Um, okay. I didn't even know who Giannis was. At, so I think right. Giannis might have been in his second, second or third year. Okay. Time. So, 
we go to we go to ACC Media Day. Um, um, walk in the lobby and then walk past Coach K. Coach K spoke to me. I was like, dang, that's yeah, that's Coach K. So right. we seen Coach K, Rick Pitino, Roy Williams, uh, right. Coach Hamilton from uh, Florida State. Yep. Um, we seen all these coaches, man, and uh, this lady. You know, she was sitting in front of me, and I told her, I said, man, I'm nervous. I mean, I said, I ain't. I said, I, I see these guys on TV now. I'm in front of them. And some of the best advice she told me that I still remember, she was like, you know, these, she said, I felt the same way you did at the beginning, but she said, these are your peers now. She said, don't put them on the pedestal, because if you do, you already lost. Right. So I remember that. Got a chance to ask him um, some questions. I remember I asked Coach K a question about, uh, it was about how did he feel about, you know, players being one and done. Yeah. So we knocked all of that out, go to the Hornets season opener um, when they played Milwaukee. They won that game. It was a close game that they won. Okay. We headed to the media room because at the time it was like a lot of like now it's a lot more strict there, but okay. back then like they used to let us go in both locker yeah, rooms. Yeah, literally, yeah. Yeah. Same experience. Yep. So we headed to the room the media room to interview Coach Clifford. I'm walking this way and they say, you know, Michael Jordan's coming. Is that it's like right. this? Walking right by me. He had some guys around him. So when yeah. he walked by, I looked back like, dang, this yeah. that's Mike right yeah. there. Coach Cox yeah. was just looking at me. Yeah. So then uh that moment right there, man, it was like this cool to, you know, be uh in the yeah. same place with these guys, you know, get a chance to interview them. And right. at the time, I was intern with Coach Cox, so I didn't, I didn't have to write any articles. But we did go out on the court, and we used to do like little uh, post game reports. So like okay. he would just ask me questions, we just recap the game and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Now when I'm there, like I, I write post post game articles and everything like that. Okay. But that was kind of like the the moment that kind of like you know sparked everything. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a similar moment like that too. But it was like the Atlanta Hawks. This was like Joe Johnson, Al Horford, Josh Smith, and like again, there wasn't that many restrictions or whatever. So literally, we went in the locker room, and uh, I mean that was the first time I realized like that media people be in there and the guys just be around like, you know what I'm saying? Like after the shower, yeah. in the towel, like literally just chilling, like, yeah, yeah just chilling, like just walking around. Yeah. And I still have that, I mean, that might've been like 2007 maybe, but I still got my notebook where like, uh, I asked like Joe Johnson, like maybe like three or four questions. And at the time we didn't, we didn't do the like recording or whatever. We had to like literally like write, write it down on a notepad. Then that sounds like super old, but yeah, I still got my notepad from, from that moment. That's dope. So, yeah. so you only did, uh, one pro team while you were in college, like intern wise. Yeah. Just yeah. I only did. Yeah. I only did the Hornets or whatever. Cause it was like a summer internship okay. or whatever. So okay. it wasn't. And then by that time, I realized, like, I don't want to keep doing this because I don't want to keep doing all this writing. So I knew, but I'm glad I got it out the way because I'm like, yeah, if this happens for me, cool. But this is not, I realized I wasn't passionate about it. Right, right. So what year was, was it your sophomore year? That was, my, that was my sophomore year. And then my, going into my, that was like my, that was, that was the summer of my freshman year going into my sophomore year. And then the year after that. Uh, I did the internship with BET, and I did I interned at BET for a whole summer, and then they let me stay on and work the award shows, like even when I was in college. So when I was in school, like I was going to class and stuff, but like when they was doing like Spring Bling, the Hip Hop Awards, the BET Awards, like they would fly me out and do like production and stuff. So I was in college, like working for BET. So my right. friends thought like, like bro, you made it already. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I was doing that like. My junior year, senior year, whatever. I was gonna ask you, like, what was the perception around you? You know, working for, you know, working with the Hornets, working with BET, like on campus. You know, 
Because not too many college kids get to have that right. opportunity. So what was the perception around you? Were you did people really know it or did you try to like keep it you know, concealed because you didn't want people everybody knowing what you were doing? I mean we don't have like the same social media now. So right, we didn't right. have like an Instagram where you can post like different things. I think like that was around the time like Facebook was just kind of popping off or whatever. You had to be in college to have a Facebook. Again, I'm aging myself. But it was cool. Like it was cool to like have people to see people like respond to me and stuff like that when I was on campus. I mean, I wouldn't say like I never. I don't. I can't really see myself outside of myself. But it was cool. Like my homies was like definitely like proud. Like yeah, he, you know he doing this, he doing that. So like one one time like we went to the uh, we went to the BT Hip Hop Awards in Atlanta. I just took one of my homies. And uh, we ended up meeting like Jermaine Dupree, Diddy. He was like, bro, I cannot believe you do this. So he was like super hyped about it. Uh, but I really had just need somebody to help me drive. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, it was cool. So so get ready to graduate. Like what were, what was like your um, opportunities looking like as far as like get ready to leave college? Like did you have anything lined up or were you still, you know? Oh uh, man, I was still, I was still <laughs> figuring it out. Um, even after the BET thing, um, I had an opportunity to go work in New York, but an entry-level job at BET is like thirty-five, forty thousand. It might be different now. So, I I ain't come from people. I ain't come from a family of resources, right? Mm -hmm. So if I had to took the job in New York, I probably would have been homeless for real. You know what I'm saying? Because you're making forty thousand dollars in New York. Yeah, I I just wasn't. It just wasn't even a feasible thing. And then the other opportunity was in LA. In LA, the cost of living is crazy. So even oh, when I, silly, even silly. when I, yeah, even when I was in LA, I just happened to meet somebody at BET that had a house and he had an extra room. And he basically was like, "Yo, I, just, I got an extra room for you. You can just kind of schedule your schedule on my schedule, and um, I'll take you to work." So he basically, so I basically lived with him, um, and we had like two other roommates in the house. LA was just a wild place. Um, and we had two other roommates in the house, and I literally had a dresser, uh, a closet, and a mattress. So that whole summer in LA, I was sleeping on a mattress. I roll over, I roll off the mattress, and I'm in the closet. You know what I'm saying? So that's that was my sacrifice. Like I was literally sleeping on a mattress, and I had a sheet on it, and I had like a little throw cover. Talk a little, talk about the importance of you know taking advantage of those opportunities. Because um, I said it before, like a lot of times, like you said. In some place, in certain circumstances, you won't, you might not make the type of money that you want, but it's just you know taking advantage of that opportunity when it's, when it's present because you need it for that experience and that right. learning opportunity and for that relationship. Talk a little bit about for people watching, and it may be college kids watching us about you know the value of you know uh, building relationships and taking advantage of certain opportunities when they become present for you. Um. Yeah. I mean, even with the BT thing, there's there's part of your journey right there's people that you will meet in the days that you're like struggling and you're kind of like second guessing yourself and you questioning yourself like is this really for me so when i was at bet again i'm three thousand miles away from home i'm 21 years old i literally my first day at bet was my 21st birthday right that's how i spent my 21st birthday um i was going through the office and i was just introducing myself to people and i met this lady this lady was like hey i heard you was going to be intern i heard you from south carolina she's like yo what part of south carolina are you from so i told her what part and um i said well my dad's from this, this small town called bond world bond was in the middle of nowhere it's like small, yeah. it's, literally, it's literally in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and um she was like really she was like yeah i'm from bond world too i'm like really she was like who are some of your people so i was telling her some of my people and she said, uh, she said, um, how your uncle look? 
So I described my uncle. She said, she said your uncle was my high school sweetheart. I was like, what? So I'm 3,000 miles away, right? And I'm like, man, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. I don't even know why I'm here right now. You know what I'm saying? Because at the time, I wanted to do like on-camera broadcasting. When I get out there, they said, where's your demo? I'm like, demo? I don't even have no demo, right? So they throw me in corporate communications. I meet this lady. She dated my uncle. She tells me she's like the head of production. So she has like, she's like an executive. She said, listen, whatever you need, I'm going to make sure you have it. When I cook, I'm going to bring you food. So for me, that was like affirmation of like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be here because how does this happen? How am I 3,000 miles away? And I meet somebody that's like, yo, I got you. I'm going to look out for you. And she did just that. So once that happened for me, uh, that kind of like gave me the comfort. And that goes back to like, like what you said about relationships, right? Like that was a pivotal relationship in my journey where I realized like I'm, I'm on the right path. I just got to keep going. I'm going to meet people that that's, that's going to be in my life. That's going to help guide me through this. Absolutely. So at what point did you finally, you know, after that LA, living out there in LA, when did you come back home? Uh, I mean, I spent the summer there and then I had to finish school. So like, right, I, right, I, right. so when it was time to go back to, you know, come back to school, like I came back to school, I finished out, um, that was my, like my junior year. So yeah, I finished out school, but I was still just like working award shows. So I, I did that for like two years and then it offered me the opportunity. But again, it just wasn't, it just wasn't the right opportunity mm-hmm. for me. And so when I graduated, I took, I did what my peers did or whatever. Like my mom called me and she was, I was trying to figure it out. My mom was like, listen, come home, take a year and just kind of figure out what you really want to do. Now, most people don't get that. Uh, that bit of grace. So my mom gave me a year where I had to move back home, move back to Walterboro again from working at BET. Now I'm in Walterboro trying to figure out what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? With my life. Well, talk a little bit about that moment right there. Because I, I had something just like that for me, like a moment where, you know, I was, you know, after graduating, you know, covering professional sports and then I come back, well, I'm still here, but, uh, you know, Working job, working a job. I remember working, uh, and I spoke about it in a previous interview as well. You know, covering professional sports, and then I get a job, a part-time job on third shift at FedEx, and it hit me. I was like, man, I went from, you know, sitting in front of the greatest athletes in the world to now right. I'm on with with and with with uh, with a college degree. Now I'm on the back of a truck loading boxes at right. FedEx. Right. Not nothing wrong. Not anything wrong with it. Not okay. knocking anybody that does that. But it's right. like, man, like. To me, I was like at a moment where I was like, how did I get here? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, I, I was like, I know this is not it. Right. So, like, what was that for you, like, going back home, you know, working at BT, traveling across the country to going back home to uh, try to figure things out? Uh, I mean, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. There was, if it wasn't for my mom, like, that's why I, like, my mom is my dog. Like, that's my best friend because... There were days where I just wouldn't even get out the bed. Like, I'd just be in the bed till, like, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And she would come mm-hmm. home from work, and she'd be like, what you do today? And I'm like, I ain't do nothing. I'm just like, she's like, get up. Like, go, just do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, go do something. Go play ball. Go do something. Now, mind you, at the time, like, I, through my college experience, I kind of, like, separated from my friends at home because right. my friends at home, you know, they, they did whatever they was doing or whatever. So, I mean, I was, like, I was in a point of, like, depression where... Uh, I was like, man, like, this is so bad. You know what I'm saying? This was so bad. And and then I also did something crazy was when I graduated, I bought a brand new car. 
You know what I'm saying? I bought a, a, a 2010 Charger. I still have it to this day, but I bought a Charger because I'm like, man, I'm about to blow up. Like, I'm working at BT. I'm about to do my thing. You know what I'm saying? So, mind you, I'm like, I got like a real bill. I got a real bill. I got real car insurance that I cannot afford to pay. And uh, so, it's just like waking up and like knowing like, man, I got responsibilities and I, I'm not doing what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a tough time, but my mom just kind of taught me through it. And then, you know, I was doing a little, then I started doing like little different gigs and then I started working for like the local newspaper doing some sports stuff just to kind of, again, just keep my mind active and stay in tune. And then, um, you know, it just got to a point where I, I moved back to upstate and, uh, I just got a job. I was working at uh, Wells Fargo. Okay. And then correct me if I'm wrong. You, you actually did some work with Trevor too, right? Trevor Trevor. Walker? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that wasn't until later on. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so when when did things you know after the bank uh, working at the bank? When did you start for get back into like in your actual field? Uh, so it was it was actually at the bank where I realized that the place that I was in, a lot of kids don't know what to do and they're not prepared for like this, right? Like mm -hmm. when things don't work out for when things don't work out the way you think it's going to work out. So when I was at the bank. Um, I was telling Steve this. I seen Steve like just just uh, sketching and doing some stuff while he was working or whatever. Um, but that's what I used to do. So I met this dude at the time through my cousin. His name is Tony Gaskins Jr. He's like a well-known relationship coach now. But I met him really early on. And um, I was at the bank, and um, I was like, man, I want to write a self-help book, but to 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 help college students and high school students kind of avoid the things that I'm going through that I didn't know, like the importance of networking, the importance of branding, the importance of building relationships and sustaining relationships. Mm -hmm. So he basically just gave me like a blueprint and he gave me like, I want to say he gave me like two grand for real. And he was like, look, take this two grand, like build, build something for yourself. He, he never asked me for the money back or whatever. And, um, yeah, I started just like, he gave me a blueprint of, of how to write a book. So I started, Anytime I would have a break at the bank, I would just start journaling or whatever, start putting my book together because I was like, all right, cool. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to start doing speaking engagements. Like, this is what I'm going to do because this is important because they're not talking to kids in our community about the stuff that we need to when it comes to, like, finances and banking and all that stuff. Like, they're not talking to us about that stuff. So, for me, at 21, I realized that and I was like, all right, this is, this is my purpose here. So... I started I started doing that and then I, I, I finished I ended up finishing the book and then I, I, I self published and put it out and then I actually started getting speaking engagements um to the local high schools and colleges and stuff. So that was like this is what I'm gonna be doing. Right. I remember uh I kinda I wrote my first book, it came out a couple years ago. Right. And I, I was I was I was pretty much in that same space. I'm like, man, like like I said, you know, you get your degree to for a moment you feel like you made it. Right. But then after that, it's like the real world is here and now. The work is yeah. really about to begin, man. Like I said, I was working at FedEx. I worked uh, a plant job, uh, yeah. working multiple jobs. And I was just like, man, this ain't it. And I feel like, and I was in the same space. Like, man, I really want to do something, you know, that's going to help, you know, college kids and you yep. know, prepare them. Because, like, school won't give you all the tools that you nah, need. It won't give you half of them. Yeah. So, and then that student loan bill came. I was like, man, I ain't yeah. ready for this at all. Right, like, right. So I, when I wrote my book, it was kind of like I was coming from a space of kind of like a little bit of like resentment, but at the same time, I was like, I really want to help you yeah. know, people going through the same yep. stuff because there's so many kids in college now 
they go pretty much go through the same stuff that we went through, trying yeah. to figure life out. Yeah. Um, some people, you, you might get a job right away, you might not, right. but you're going to go through those things and you're going to have those different emotions and feel like it's worth it. Right. So that's why I feel like, like you were saying, like writing that self-help book, like the book that I wrote, I wanted it to kind of like be a blueprint right? to, you know, kind of like help kids. Yeah, know, yeah. Program. For me, it was like therapy. It was just like, man, yeah. I just, I'm, so fr I'm so frustrated that like mm -hmm. I just need to like get this I just need to get these thoughts out because I'm so frustrated with like how it is and how we don't have the information and how I have to like literally navigate this space by myself because you know my mom she didn't she didn't finish college my aunt she she went to like a vocational school my dad like I said he's he's big in education but we didn't have like a great relationship my stepdad he was just a hard he was just a hard working dude so mm -hmm. it's like where do I even go for this information so I was just frustrated by the experience and like not being able to lean on anybody and so it's just like I just don't want this to happen to nobody else absolutely so after you know doing your speaking engagement you release your book at what point did you get to you know you know Working with, you know, the athletes and yeah. celebrities, and when did you, like, was that before you moved to Dallas, or how, how, did, how did all of that come about? Nah, so this came about, so this is, like, after the time I wrote my book, I wrote my book, but I still was, you know, I still had a job, I still had bills and stuff, um, so at the time at Wells Fargo, they basically, I, I just told them, but again, I didn't know, so they, they I came in for an evaluation one day, and I was like, hey, well, you know, what do you want to do, what is your career plan, blase, blase, and, um, I basically told a lady like I don't really see myself being here long term, which I was I shouldn't have done that, but I did, and I ended up getting fired like maybe, <laughs> maybe like a month later. You, know you spoke saying? the truth, though. but I spoke my yeah, truth yeah. because it was just like I'm just not passionate about it, mm -hmm. and so uh, so yeah, that basically happened, and then I ended up working at a uh, I ended up working at Enterprise uh, at the airport, and one day this dude came in and he was like, hey man, and he would always come in and he would um. He would rent cars from me or whatever, and we just got to talking one day, and he was like, "Hey man, you seem like a you seem like a smart dude. Like, what do you uh, what do you, what do you want to do?" And so I basically told him like, "Man, I would love to get into sports. I don't know how to to get into sports, but I would love to." And he was like, "Man, he was like my 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 neighbor's son. I think he works with like NBA players. I don't know what he does, but there's always like nice cars at his dad's house. So I'm like, in Greenville. Like, all right, well, you know, whatever." She was like, "He was like, but well, I'm gonna leave here." I'm going to stop by the house and I'm going to give him your number. And uh, so I get a call the very next day like, hey, man, um, you know, he told me who he was. And he was like, um, man, I heard good things about you or whatever. I got a basketball camp coming. I'm going to give you a shot. He was like, uh, you know, it's, it's for my guy, Trevor Booker. He mm -hmm. in South Carolina. I'm in Dallas. He was like, man, I need you to put the camp together. If you can put the camp together, then, you know, we can build a relationship or whatever. So I was like. You serious? And he was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like, I, you got like two months to put it together. So basically, that that basically was a moment that kind of like changed my life. Like, I ended up putting the camp together. I ended up getting about a hundred kids, hundred maybe like 100, 120 kids to the camp. And you know, at the time, me and Trevor, we like the same age, so we kind of like built a rapport. And um, once I did that, it was like, All right, I got access now, so it's on. You know what I'm saying? And that was the moment where it kind of really like. Changed my life. So, and I, I asked you about Trevor earlier because, you know, we're close to the same area. Like, he, Union Jonesville, like right, right there beside yep. each other. Yep. And I know he did a camp. Um, he did one in Malden, and then he did another one yeah. in, back at home in Union. Yep. Now, I actually had Trevor on, like, when I first started, 20, when I consistently started doing the podcast, 
um, on my own. It was 2018. Okay. And, uh, we actually, I actually interviewed him at the camp. At the we, camp. We went to the weight room, shot about a 30 minute interview. Okay. Um, and we knocked that out. And uh, even now, it's crazy because I still see Trevor at, at the Hornets games. Like, yeah, yeah he, got, he, got, he got he got he got courtside seats. Yeah, seat. so it's be him and, and his uh, business partner. Yeah, Jonah. Or, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or sometimes, oh yeah, or, or sometimes it'll be other people's family. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've talked him into getting me to see a couple of times or whatever. But yeah. yeah, that's still my guy, good dude. So yeah, those camps I've been putting those camps together. Pretty much since his uh, first year in the league or whatever. Absolutely, man. Shout out to Trevor, man, for you know for that opportunity. Yeah. I, I appreciate him for you know sitting down with me for, yeah. for the interview as well. Yeah, solid brother. Yeah. So how did it come about with you finally you know you know working with Trevor and then after that uh, finally making that decision to move to Dallas? Like, how did that come about? Um. So again, I'm still I'm still I still got a nine to five at this point. Um. I'm probably 26, 27 at this point. Well, I might have been like 25. So, um, so yeah. So Trevor, so we built we built a relationship, we built a rapport, I built a rapport with his manager or whatever. So his manager was like, hey man, you know, um, is there anything else you can do for Trevor? Like, I'd love for you to just help him or whatever. So it got to the point where like I was doing so much with Trevor as far as just like finding him different little marketing opportunities, um, putting together his camp, his camp was like growing, his brand was growing. Um, and then, you know, uh, and so in D.C., we started doing community events and everything. So it just got to the point. This when he was still with the Wizards. He was still with the oh, Wizards, yep. yeah. So I remember I remember I flew to D.C. one time and I slept on his couch and went to a game. That was like my first like NBA game or whatever. And I just got to like kick it with him and just meet all the other players and just hang out. And um, it got to the point where I was just doing so much for him that his agent was like, yo, who's this little, this little Chris dude that got you doing everything or whatever? Because, you know, Trevor's not like a – he's not like – the, one of the bigger names that you you know immediately recognize or whatever. So I was just doing so much for him in the community, and the teams was loving it. And so his agent reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you know, can you you think you can you know do this for other players?" And I was like, "Yeah, for sure." And so um, he invited me to like an All Star weekend. He was like, "Hey, you know, come up to New York. We'll have a meeting, and um, you know, we'll 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 figure it out." So I'm thinking like. All right, well, I'm just going for this meeting and everything. So I get up there, and he just throw me in the fire, right? So I, I think Kyle Lowry was an all star. So he was like, "Yo, you just hang with." He he uh, put me in contact with his like marketing guy, or whatever. So he was like, "Yo, you just kind of shadow the marketing guy." So it was me, the marketing guy, and Kyle Lowry, and Jeff T. Jeff T. was an all star at the time. So I got to just shadow them throughout their whole like all star weekend. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I met Braun for the first time. I met Kevin Hart. I met all types of people. And I was, I mean, he just he just threw me in the fire, like, yo, get in there and figure it out. And um, once he did that, we had an interview, it was cool, and he was like, yo, you know, I think I want to bring you on. And so I went from working from Trevor to working for for uh, one of the top NBA agencies who had Kevin Garnett, Christos Porzingis, uh, who else did we have? Uh, Kyle O'Quinn. I mean, uh, Jeff T was an all-star at the time. So I, w I went from working with like one player to like 12. Mm -hmm. and you know what I'm saying? In a matter of, in a matter of like a couple of weeks. Were you at that time like overwhelmed or out that you were with these guys? Or at this point, you know, being that you were doing so much that you kind of like felt like in your, in your comfort zone, even though you were still learning? I mean, for me, I I'm a real confident dude and I'm confident in who I am and my ability. 
So for me, it, like stuff that happened to me is never a surprise, right? Because I know how hard I work. Mm -hmm. And I know like it ain't many people that's going to work as hard as me or harder than me, right? So I'm never surprised by anything that happens to me because I know I'm going to put in the work. I know I'm going to make the sacrifices. And I'm going to know. I, and so even at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. You know what I'm saying? I'm supposed to be in these rooms. So once I kind of got in the rooms and got comfortable and I knew that like once the players get around me, like, you know, I'm, I'm smart, I know what I'm talking about, and I love fashion, right? And that's typically what players love. So I knew I had the relatability. So once I was able to come in and like build a relationships or whatever, I was like, all right, cool, this is easy. I just gotta, I just gotta do the work. Was it, is it easier now to, you know, help get these guys um, out there? Because back then, you know, social media wasn't yeah. what it is now. So was it, was it a lot harder back then, or like how how do you? I mean, this is like this is like Twitter, Instagram, kind of like coming into play or whatever, okay. and kind of us figuring out like exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So nah, I mean, obviously I'm 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 shadowing somebody, so I'm I'm work I'm working at an agency, so there's structure, there's power. You know, I'm working for one of the most powerful agents in the business, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a level of like. Comfort in knowing that whatever I go for, I'm gonna have the support of of making sure that things get done. It was just a matter of like understanding what it is and understanding what it takes to like sustain your position because this is a super competitive, multi-billion-dollar you know industry or whatever. So there would be times where I would go in the office and um and and, and my boss he would just curse me out, like curse me out to the point where I was like. And I would call my boy because my boy, he put me in a position. Um, I would call him and be like, bro, I don't think I'm built for this. Like, he talking to me crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, he would tell me like, yeah, you got to make 50 calls a week. Just 50 cold calls or whatever. So I would, and then we had to like list them, put them in an Excel sheet. So I would do that. And then I'm like, he's like, hey, let me see your list. So I, I show him my list. He'd be like, you should be making 150 calls. Like, why aren't you making 150 calls? I'm like... Well, you told me to do 50. Like, I've, I've done 50. But that really, like, shaped me because in the grand scheme, he was really trying to break me. And he was really trying to see what I was made of and if I was going to quit. And so I took that as a challenge of, like, bro, I know what you're doing. And even though I'm really frustrated with you, like, I know my, I know where I'm trying to get. So, like, you're not, you're not going to stop me. You know what I'm saying? So what would you say were, like, those skills that you learned from, um, from that agency to, you know, before you start, you know, doing your, your own, own thing. Um, competitive. Just You just got to be competitive. You just got to want it. And you, you can't take no for an answer. So that was one of the things, too, that he used to get on me about. He would be like, we would be putting an event together and I'd be like, well, I called so-and-so and, -so and um, they told me they couldn't do it. He was like, so you expect me to go back to this player and tell him, no, he can't get what he asked for? No, it don't work like that. You figure it out. And so... Once I realized that, like, these players don't, or whoever it is, these folks don't care about what you can't get done. You either can get it done or we're going to find somebody else who can get it done. So once I realized, like, oh, this is really high-level business, like, and then I just kind of adapted that same principle. So now the people that I affiliate with, the people that I work for, that work for me, it's the same thing. Like, we don't take no for an answer. Like, we, we, we get it done. It's about results. Everything that you're doing, you know, a lot of people feel like they have to eventually at some point, you know, get away from home mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to get to a certain level of success. 
did you feel like you had to move? Like, because of everything that you were doing, like, it was like a no-brainer that you had, you know, to relocate to get more work done? Uh, I didn't want to leave. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really want to leave. Uh, at the time, my aunt, who was like a, a a real prominent figure in my life and a caregiver, uh, she was she was she was getting older. So I would like, you know, I would say I would say, Andy, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to leave. You know, I want to make sure you good. And uh, I remember the day before I was I was packing up my stuff and everything, getting ready to take the drive, and I was like, I'm still not sure if I want to leave. And she was like, Listen, I've already lived my life. Like I want you to. Uh, like I want you to, I want you to, I want you to live your life, and I want you to chase your dreams. And if uh, if it don't work out, you can always come back home. You know what I'm saying? And so she was one of the people that always used to tell me, like, man, you you can do anything you want to do, and uh, I I believe that. So once I once I left and got there, it was a little bit of an adjustment um, because I'm like, you know, I'm in a big city. But my boy had told me he was like, listen, if you really want to do this and you really want to take it serious, like this is what you have to do. You have to work under me. You have to learn under me. So when he got me the job, I actually the office was the offices were in New York. He set me up so that I only had to go to New York once a month, basically, mm -hmm. just to check in or whatever. So I had to work in the office of the agency I was working for for a week at a time, and then they would fly me back to Dallas, and then. Uh, I would just do all my other work like from Dallas. So yeah. it's not it wasn't a normal situation for me because luckily the dude who got me in the game, he was he's a very powerful dude in sports, so he kinda was able to like pull some strings for me to, you know, make me make me comfortable. That's major right now. Yeah. So at what point how long did you work at that agency and then when when did you finally say, you know what, I got the experience, I got the knowledge? course it's always gonna be a learning curve with anything that you do but now mm -hmm. it's time for me you know invest in myself and create my own opportunity uh i worked at the agency i only worked at the agency like a year and a half um but then it was just like i'm doing this for myself anyway like i only gotta go to the i only gotta go to the office once a once a month so like for the most part everything else i'm doing on my own anyways mm -hmm. right so i was just like Yo, let me just and the way they was the way they was paying me, they was paying me as an independent contractor. So essentially, I was already working on my own, but I didn't realize it. So once I realized that, it was like, oh, well, I'm already doing this. I'm building my relationship. So let me just let me just figure this out. And then as I started building relationships with players and kind of making my rounds, and then I still had the relationships from like the entertainment space that I was in. So I just kind of took those relationships and I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready to go. And so. You know, I just kind of bet on myself. Is there anything in the past that you can, you know, share with people, like maybe some kind of like deal that you helped put together, any kind of client that may not mind? Is there anything that you can speak on, like helping them kind of deal that you help, you know, put together for anybody? Uh, I mean, when I put together like my first uh, sneaker deal, I, 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 I'll share this. Um, so at the time I was a... Uh, doing some consultation for a sneaker company, and I still do some consultation. And um, I was working with Evan Turner out the, from the Portland, he was in Portland at okay. the time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, at the time, his relationship with the company was not good at all, so they brought me in to kind of build that relationship up. So uh, that's what I did. I would fly out to Portland all the time just to spend time with him. We wouldn't do nothing. We would just, I would just go to games, hang out at his house, and we would just, we, I was just getting to know him or whatever. So he was one of those people where he was like, he was cool with Dame, he was cool with uh, CJ McCollum. And um, so I just spent so much time out there that we, I was able to just kind of start being around them guys. And uh, 
I was wearing some shoes one time from the company and uh, they had came out to Dallas and they was at the mall and they was like shopping and stuff like that. And he hit me, he was like, yo, come to the mall. So I came to the mall, that was the first time I met Dane. And uh, there was just there was just out shopping in Neiman Marcus. I met CJ. CJ was like, "Yo, what type of uh, what type of shoes them is?" And I was like, "Man, these you know these lead names, whatever, um, like these cool." And he was like, "Yo, uh, he's like, yo, my sneaker deal coming up, you know, with, with Nike or whatever." He was like, "Yo, I'm 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 gonna be looking at some options." So I was like, "All right, cool." Uh, so. Uh, I, I went back, told told my people in China or whatever, and they were like, oh, okay, cool. We, you know, they, he's somebody we interested in. So he, he gave me his number. So I'm like, dang, man, I got CJ McCollum's number. Like, this is crazy. You know what I'm saying? And when I would text him, he would text me right back. So I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. And we was able to just build a relationship because we, we, we both like communication majors. We in journalism. So we, we were just able to build a report. So it got to the point where he was like, I told him, I said, hey, listen, man, if I could get you this number, would you would you leave Nike? And he was like, yo, you give me that number, I'm going to leave Nike. And um, I ended up making it happen. And that was maybe like six years ago. And we've been tight ever since or whatever. So like that was the first deal, multi-million dollar deal that I was able to kind of facilitate and put together. And then once I kind of built that relationship, um, you know, he's just been someone that's been super, super, you know, resourceful. Like I said, he's just one of my best friends, man. He's just been a great dude to me. Opened a lot of doors for me. What is it like? Talk about that moment of actually putting together, like, your your first deal. Like, what was the feelings and, like, how was it when it actually all uh, came together? It's nerve-wracking because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, I, I don't know him at this point, so I don't know that he a man of his word. Like, mm -hmm. you, you, people tell you stuff all the time, but they don't necessarily do it all the time. And obviously, he was coming into his own and becoming a star player in his own right. So, you know, there was he had a lot of opportunities. But one of the things that he, he showed me was that he was a man of his word. So when I did what I was supposed to do, he did what he was supposed to do. And then, you know, that was the start of a, a really great relationship. And then once, once I was able to kind of align myself with him, because, you know, because of his character and because of his relationships, I was just able to just meet, you know, so many people. Also, he's going to tell people who is Yeah, about me and because I just spent so much time. Like, that was my thing is, like, I'm going to just spend time. Like, I, we don't even have to do nothing. Where you at? Oh, you in Houston? All right, bet. I'm going to fly to Houston and we just going to kick it. We're going to go get some food. You know, I'm going to just be around. Mm -hmm. So the more that you be around those guys, build a relationship they around their teammates. So they be like, yo, what you do? Oh, yeah, I do so-and-so. Okay, cool. I might need that. So if I do something for CJ and I get some extra product or I get, you know, a, a deal for him or a deal for anybody I'm working with, yeah, bro, I'll send you some free stuff too. You know what I'm saying? And these athletes are super rich, right? But they still love free stuff just like we do. So I knew, like, okay, cool. This is how I get in the door and build these relationships. I was going to say is that probably more the mo one of the most important parts is, you know, spending time with these players, not even just discussing business, but just getting to know them, to know, kind of like figure out what they like and what yeah. they don't like, and then, you know, going from there to, you know, kind of putting together a, a deal for them. Yeah, for sure. People, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, well, what is this person like, or what is this person like, or whatever, and I'm very, like, private when it comes to just those conversations, because, you know, th these are these are my friends, too. Right. Um, so, no, the, the, 
For me, I don't even talk to them about basketball. We don't talk about basketball. For the most part, we just be clowning, talking about everyday stuff. Yo, I see some. I seen this on IG. Ah, I'm gonna mm -hmm. see you this meme or how your family doing? How your how your kids? Mm -hmm. It's just real conversations. Yo, how you feeling? I saw you ain't have a good game. Bro, how you feeling? You you need anything? Anything yeah. I can do? Hey, I'm gonna pull up on you. And we just you know what I'm saying we are gonna go bowling or we gonna we gonna kick it for a little bit because I don't really care about the basketball stuff, bro. I mm -hmm. care about you as a person. So when these people see like. Chris don't want nothing from me. I don't ask them. I don't. Ask, I don't. Anybody I work with, I don't ask them for nothing. I don't ask them for no favors or nothing like that. If I need something, I know I can. But for right. the most part, like even on social media, I don't take pictures with people I work with. For the most, for the most part, like unless we just got to take a picture, somebody take a picture of us, we post it. But these are my friends, so like right. I don't, I'm not. I'm not taking pictures with these people because th that ain't the that ain't the basis of our relationship. Right. It's, it's authentic. I think that's probably one of the most important things. Where it's like you know. People that don't get to see them often, they forget almost to a certain extent that they're human. Right. These are just regular people that have everyday lives. Their financial situation is different. Yeah. But like I said, when we were going into the locker room, we used to hear these guys have regular conversations about anything. They listen yeah. to the same music we listen they do the to. Same thing we do. They do the same thing. They watch the same shows. Like yeah. all of the stuff. Yeah. They just financial situation is different. Yeah. So of course, like when you're around them, like, they probably don't want to hear about all this stuff. All they the don't want to hear about basketball. They don't want to talk about basketball. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because their life is not the same as, like, the average person. They can't just go to a store right. and just, well, depending on, you know, status of these players. Right. They can't just walk into a store and just go shopping and go to a right. restaurant and right. just eat with their family right. because of who they are. Right. So, like, when you're around them, of course, you know, they're yep. definitely going to appreciate everything that you, that you do. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that I mean honestly that's the key. It's just it's just me being being an authentic person and really understanding that like yo they human. So I think the good thing about it is that I get inside information and access to things that I want to know. It's like yo you got money and you you're doing things for people around you, but like how does that feel? Like what is what is it that make you happy? Because you have everything that most people say would make you happy. So it's just like yo what do you have? Like like what is it that make you happy? And then again once I learn that it's like Okay, cool. Let me step back from chasing money to like let me really like focus in on getting better at my craft and and really becoming the best at what I do and then understanding that the money gonna come. Or, you know, yeah, we might see like the nice car and you're like, ah, I want that nice car. But I asked I asked them, yo, what what was it like when you bought your dream car? So I understand what what am I really doing it for? You right. know what I mean? What would you say is the hardest part? Like Overall, your job, everything that you're doing, was uh, relationships. Like we talk about relationships in the aspect of like how important relationships are to build and to get into these spaces, but we don't talk about the aspect of relationships that you have to sacrifice in order to be able to do that. Right? Like I can't tell you how many birthdays I miss of my brother, my sister, my mom, their kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because I'm because I'm grinding. Um, how I should be a better friend to my friends and being able to like check in on them more often or talking to them or calling to, you know, see how they doing or whatever. But sometimes you can get caught. Like my life is based on making sure that everybody, my clients' lives are easier, right? So, mm -hmm. so it's easy to get caught up in that because I care about being the best at what I do. But in the meantime, there's a lot of relationships that I probably should be better on, you know what I'm saying? I had a call, my mom called me yesterday on FaceTime and she was like, I ain't talked to you in a week. And I was just calling to check on you just to make sure you're good. And then at that moment it hit me like, dang, I ain't talked to my mom in a week. I need to do better. Mm -hmm. 
Man, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I, it's been times, you know, traveling, shooting interviews, or covering the games, where um, I, I, I missed one of my daughter's school plays. Um, and she was telling me about my son. He had a he had a playoff game last year. I, I missed I missed the playoff game because we were traveling. I forgot what we were. No, I was actually covered the Hornets game that night, and uh, but they won that game, so I was able to make it to the uh, the championship game they had. Right. But like you're saying, man, you, you got to sacrifice, and it's like a lot of things that you don't want to miss. Right. But understanding you got to take care of business. But, you know, if mine are able to, I'll, I'll bring them around me so they right. can kind of get a feel for right. for what I'm doing. But, you know, it's hard, you know, when you're traveling on yeah. the road and, and, like, a lot of the sacrifices, like you were saying, it's like you just hope that these people understand. Understand, like, right. Yeah, that's the only thing. You hope that they're understanding. And my, my support system is great. They understand like, everything that I'm doing. And yeah. the time when they were going through all the stuff in the very beginning, they didn't see it. But right. now, you know, after my book signing, you know, traveling, connecting with these people, yeah. now they get a, a, a better understanding of it. But yeah. it's like one of my things, like, man, I hope they understand everything I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not doing it just for myself. Yeah, I want absolutely. to be able to take care of the people around me. Absolutely. And I also want to, you know, open up doors for other people as yeah. well. It's like you just hope that these people, you know, understand, like, purpose and like what you're trying to do it for yeah yeah for sure i mean my mom does because again that's my dog so you know last year i was able to uh to buy my mom a brand new car you know what i'm saying and to this day she still don't know what i do she just like when people you know ask her like oh you know because like you know once once uh she posted on social media so people she work at she works she actually works at wells fargo she, she's a she's a she's a banker there and uh people come in and up like well what does your son do and she'll be like i really don't know what he do <laughs> he just do something with celebrities and, and, and basketball players or whatever but you know she, she definitely understands and she understands that like you know that these are the sacrifices I'm, I'm making but this is also like my dream mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i there is there isn't a plan B for me like I have. So, in you, being in your space, what advice like, for that person who wants to you know do the kind of work that you do, working with athletes or, or you know, entertainers? Like, what advice would you give someone who wants to like get in your space and kind of do some of the work that you do? Um, know who you are, right? You 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 have to know who you are in this space because. There's so much in entertainment, there's so much in sports, there's so much that you will see that can deter you from accomplishing your goals, right? Because you're in a space where people have access to whatever, whatever it is they want, nobody tells them no. So when you're in that space, you really have to be true to who you are because there's a lot of evils that, that you can get connected to, um, you know, in that space. So that's the first part. Um, the second, the second thing I would tell people is like, don't take no for an answer. Like, don't take no's. Like, you know, when I was going for certain opportunities and stuff like that, even I'll, I'll just go back to my BET experience. I saw the application process. The application process, I'll never forget. You had to have a 3.4 GPA to even send in your application to qualify. My GPA was like a two point something at the time. But I was like, I want this internship. And if I send in this application, they gonna throw my stuff in the trash, right? So I called BET and I talked my way into an interview. And so that's how I was able to get in the door. It ain't really no secret to success. It ain't no special sauce. It's just being who you are, staying consistent and, and not taking no for an answer. And really, like, really, really believing in yourself. Like, really believing that you're great. And really believing that, like, 
whatever you want to accomplish, it's already within you. It's just a matter of like you tapping into it, you showing discipline, and you really like, all right, cool, like I'm gonna make this happen. That first part of what you were saying, uh, maybe think of another question when you're saying, you know, when you're around these people, they got access to to whatever they want. Yep. Are you in a space where, or how do you manage it where you may at times have to tell these guys, no, this isn't the right deal for you, or 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 this is just like they want it, so I have to figure a way to get it for them, even if it may not be the right thing for them. No, it's just having an honest conversation, right? And the honest, and being able to have an honest conversation is understanding who they are, and that's where like the relationship part comes in. It's like this ain't just business; like we friends. So I'm telling you as as a friend, like yo, this might not be the right situation, and you know, and them trusting you really mm -hmm. because they got a million people coming at them telling them I could do this, I could do that, I could do that, right? But people around them that they can really trust that is willing to be like no and then they respect it because there's some people who could tell who could tell me no or tell them no and they'd be like man no nah, i'm not listening to you right but mm -hmm. because they have we i've 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 earned that and i've established that level of trust i can go to them and be like nah this ain't the best situation but if that's something you're gonna do you need to find an alternative right so mm -hmm. if i tell you no well what else is there you know what i'm saying if i tell you we turning down a deal okay well how are we gonna make this up so then it's up to me to figure out all right why well he he trusts me but i also got to make sure that we find an alternative for them or her my final three questions and we'll get ready to wrap it up all right do you feel like it's an, an obligation for you you know with the knowledge and experience that you have do you feel like it's to a certain degree, an obligation to you know give back. You know, like you say, you, you wrote your um, your book. You feel an obligation, to, you know, give back and educate. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the sole purpose we hear, anyways. It's 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 to serve, it's to give back. The reason why I've been able to navigate this space and to succeed at a certain level is because I operate on uh, a foundation of service of giving, mm -hmm. right? What can I provide? So there's times where I meet people and I still, just to build a relationship, I still do stuff for free. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just to show you that like, I'm capable, you know what I'm saying? Right. Of doing whatever it is you need me to do. Even though I know like, yeah, I'm capable, but you don't know that I'm capable. So I'm willing to, to take the first step to show you like, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to take the first step in building this relationship because I know what doors can open for me. So it ain't it ain't it ain't about money in this situation. So for me, it ain't never about it ain't never about no paper because I know how hard I work. So I know that the paper gonna come for me or whatever. But for me, it's just about it's just about the service and about genuinely helping people be better. Absolutely. What are some some future goals that you have for yourself and your business um, that you can Sure. Yeah. So, the, so for me, the next thing is like uh, investing. Um, I, I've invested into an alcohol delivery service. I've invested into uh, a Mascal tequila, um, um, in the real estate a little bit. So for me, it's just about expansion. Um, my aunt, she's a she's a, a Hollywood film producer. She's a mentor, but 
Uh, she's she, she's like a family member to me or whatever. Um, so we're working on like a a, a docu series or whatever that I'm actually gonna get my mom involved in. Um, so for me, it's just about creating opportunities, expanding. Um, so yeah, production, sports, entertainment, lifestyle, concierge. That's the next thing. But it took me to this point to um to just build the relationships. I had a client because I was able to write a book at 25. She came to me and said, hey, you know, I want to write a book. And uh, these companies came to her and was like, hey, you know, we want to, um, you know, do this book for you or whatever. We're going to charge you $35,000. I'm like, what? Nah, we're going to do this ourselves. She looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what you mean? How am I going to write a book? Like, how am I going to do this? Right. And I was like, nah, I wrote a book. I know how to do it. And I gave her the blueprint to do it. I hired the right people for her to do it. And... November of last year, she released her own book, completely self-published. She's been going around the country in between playing basketball because she's also a professional um, WNBA basketball player. So in between that, she's been, you know, doing speaking engagements or whatever, building out her brand. And then we're going into the expansion of like online, teaching people how to do that and then different speaking engagements for her. So I educated my client in a way that this is something that she gonna be able to make money off of the rest of her life. So, you know, for me, it's just about being being independent and um, you know just doing it our way. Absolutely, that's powerful right there. My my last and final question that I like to ask everybody at the end, you know, when I spend the time around, there's a lot of time around entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. travel, um, and I I love to ask them like, as part of our self investment tool, like, what does self investment mean to you? Um. I mean, it's a variety of things. It's really perspective on how you look at what that is, right? Because when you look at success, like success is uh, subjective. You know what I'm saying? It's like what, whatever, whatever it is that you want out of whatever you're doing, like that's what success is, right? So I think for me, it's just about just doing the, doing the things that I love and I care about. I love playing basketball, so I play basketball. I love doing hot yoga and Pilates. That's that's my time to be with myself. I love going to the movies. I love traveling. So for me, I love shopping. So for me, it's just about doing the things that make me happy so that I can be the best version of myself for the people around me, right? And so mm -hmm. if I'm invested in myself, I'm giving you a full cup um, and I'm, I'm able to, you know, really like service you and, you know, kind of operate at, at the highest levels. Absolutely. Chris, I appreciate you for your time, man. Like I said, it's, I really enjoyed hearing your journey. It was a, a great way to, you know, get another unique perspective because you're you're on the other side, you know, helping these athletes and, and you know, entertain, you know, get deals. So, you know, seeing your side of it as opposed to what I do, you know, going, you know, covering them, you know, I hate saying critique, but, you know, we, we do critique their games, you know, we have to write about it. So from that standpoint, you know, being in that space with them, but also seeing your side yeah. is also unique as well. So I appreciate you. Um, sharing your story. Before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you? Or if you want to just give them some information, like a word of encouragement or something, you can leave them with that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me on my Instagram or whatever. I don't really post a lot, but, you know, it's a CBMG LLC. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Also, my website, The Quiet Assist. Uh, the quiet assist that's basically my website of everything that i do and you know that's another way of reaching out to me but uh instagram will probably be the easiest uh i do check my dms or whatever so that'll probably be the easiest 
Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you again. Hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Until next time, keep chasing dreams. Thank you for listening. Speaking on the power of relationships, you actually uh, built a relationship with J. Cole, am I correct? Uh I mean I wouldn't say it's a I wouldn't say it's a relationship, but I can tell you how we how we connected through a relationship that I built with uh with CJ. Um and um so at the time at the time J. Cole was at Puma and he was trying to navigate his uh his space of like what he's what he's gonna do at Puma, was he gonna leave, was he gonna stay? So I'm uh I'm on the treadmill one day. I'm just I'm just working out, doing my thing or whatever. So I'm on the treadmill. Uh, I'm listening to my music. My music, you know, cut off whatever. I get a text. I look at the text. I'm running on the treadmill. I'm like I'm like at like a six or a seven. I'm running on the treadmill. I'm jamming. I get the text. I look at the text. It's me, CJ, and I see the text and it's like uh, hey hey uh, he was like hey Cole. Um, this is my guy, this is my guy, Chris Brown. He's my shoe rep or whatever. Like, make sure you, you know, you tap in and you connect or whatever. So I look at the text. I'm like, bro, what? I'm running. I'm still running. I look at the text. So I immediately, I jump off the treadmill. I jump off the treadmill. The treadmill's still going. Uh, so I text CJ on the side like, hey, is that Jermaine? Like, that's, that's Jermaine Cole? And he was like, yeah, tell me thank you. And I'm like, bro, thank you. I really appreciate this or whatever. He was like, yeah, you know, tap in with him and make sure, uh, you know, just check in with him and have a conversation. So I'm just sitting on, I'm sitting on the side of the treadmill at this point, trying to like process what's happening. This is like my favorite rapper. When I was working at uh, Enterprise, I used to see him like going through the airport because it's people from like Greenville. I mean, not from Greenville, but somewhere in the upstate or whatever. Um, his mom used to live there, so I used to see him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? When he when he had the low fade or whatever. And uh, so I'm just sitting on the side like, yo, what? So I, I hit him right back. And I'm like, yo, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm a big fan. And then as soon as I sent the text, I see like the three bubbles. So I'm like, yo, he texting back. So he, so he, uh, so he hit me back. And uh, he was like, yo, he was like, hit me on the side and, and give me a call. So we, we, we have a conversation. So we talk for like 15, 20 minutes just about, you know, what he doing, what he looking for, just opportunities or whatever. And... Um, so that was the first call, and then we just build a rapport. So we, you know, texting back and forth again, just building a relationship, me getting to know him and stuff. We have another. We had like a second call, um, and you hear about like his kids, and you hear about him being like a good father and all that. So we on the phone, and I'm hearing him like talking to his son and his daughter in the background, and it's just like crazy to me because I'm like, bro, Friday Night Lights like got me through like Classic. so much. Classic. You know what I'm saying? Like it got me through so much yeah. and like now I'm like mm-hmm. talking to him, hearing him, like talking to his kids and stuff like that. And so uh so yeah, we was just able to like build a rapport. Um right now he's working on some stuff like doing his thing independent or whatever, but we still keep in touch. Every now and then I'll send him a text message every birthday. I I shoot him a message and you know what I'm saying, just let him know. Um, and just offer my, you know, offer my assistance if there's anything that he working on. If he put out, you know, a body of work or whatever, I shoot him a message, he'll hit me right back. And um, I think, like, that part is the cool part is because you get access to people that you never thought. So, like, I be seeing my friends how, like, they be like, yo, J. Cole is this, this is, like, my friends love J. Cole. We from the Carolinas. But just also knowing, like, bro, I really got a relationship where, like, if I shoot him a message, he'll, he'll hit me back. Yeah. If I call him, he'll call me back. You know what I mean? But I don't, that's not a relationship I take for granted and I don't abuse it. But it's just one of those cool things where you like, bro, I cannot believe I'm here.
Right. So yeah, that's, that's dope. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta tell that.